My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. This podcast is sponsored by Cleaners East Group. Through innovation and engagement of people, businesses and governments, they aim to eradicate microplastic pollution from all angles. The goal is to spread awareness so that people can make informed choices and be part of the solution. For more information, please visit cleanerseasgroup.com. In this episode, Peru's fame, Japan and China are seamlessly linked to the techniques and creativity of chef Sanjit Bivedi. Sanjay's background is rooted in colourful tradition with unexpected twists. Raised in India, where the natural and authentic taste of food comes from the land and the trees, his style includes many ingredients where neither ingredient outshines the other. joining me today Sanjay how are you doing amazing beautiful thank you very much for uh, also that was so positive yeah I'm doing great <laughs> good, good, good. ready for winter yes. right. when I say ish only the food not the weather yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. so well, the winter winter in London is very different from where you are I tell you that right now huh? <laughs> definitely but you know what like I do miss the UK for the like, winter markets like oh, you know, really? the food oh, yeah of course the, all that sort of stuff I do miss the like, mold the hot wines, you know <laughs> you know, winter wonderland yeah and i want to go to hamley's toy store oh yeah yeah i have, yeah, yeah. I have to go i'm not <laughs> promoting it but i do want to go just to play with the toys <laughs> so, yeah, yeah yeah good so as you know my podcast is called the naughty bites what's your guilty pleasure oh guilty pleasure oh my god <laughs> or naughty so pleasure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever you want it to oh, be i mean it's, uh, i mean uh, there's so many of them uh what do you want to read you know eggs on toast I think that's uh, something which I love. Actually, wow. what I what I like these days, Vijay, I'm not going to believe this sounds really, really different, right? Baked beans with vegan cheese, blitzed in a thermomix. Okay. Uh, on a toast, I promise you. When my wife, uh, who is now vegan, and she told me about it, I went like this as well. I had that yesterday with some spicy sauce on top. Oh my God! Okay, yeah. I. My face is still gonna say like, um, <laughs> but um, well, I've been through school, you know. Okay. No, I'm just saying I'm not, you know, I'm not trying I'm to say, say this so that everybody, all you know, <laughs> people are gonna be listening. Oh, that's really, really cool. No, no, I'm just being very, very honest. A vegan cheese. Oh my goodness. Oh, there's okay. good vegan cheese these days. You won't believe. I'm, and I'm my curious. wife is French, right? Wow. So because of like she found out like she's allergic to dairy. She stopped having cheese. It's like awesome. telling an Indian person or telling a Spanish person you can't have pata negra for the rest of your life. 
you know. Yeah, I'd cry. Or you could, yeah, exactly, you know. Yeah, I'd cry. And, uh, like, I think veganism has gone, especially in London and big cities, has gone really, really big. And you have yeah. to embrace it at the end of the day. The world is changing and, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, it's your generation and our, mm -hmm. our kids' generation are the ones who are going to embrace this even more and more. Well, no, definitely. I, I think the whole movement's come with, like, the health of the planet. Exactly. A lot of, so the millennials are, like, shifting towards the life choices that are more sustainable. Yeah. And, and, and I know, like, especially in Spain or in, my, like I said, my wife is French, you know, like, for them, veganism doesn't even register in their heads, you know, like, yeah. just look at them as, no, I'm saying everyone, yeah. but they look at them as, like, oh, they're a bit different, you know. Uh, while in London, it's not that. It's like you go, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I went and I met up with a few of my friends and we went to this gastro pub next to my house. Okay. I've not been there for many years, you know, and to the point that we had to book a table in a pub where you have to pay before, you know. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Can you imagine that? That's like 25 pounds per person you have to pay. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, that doesn't happen here. Exactly. Then I just looked at the menu and everything, and I said, like, can you show me the vegan choices? I was impressed. I was wow. like, in a place which is in Tooting, you know, it's not in central London. Even they are doing that as well. They're doing that part because there's a market. Okay. Maybe, maybe, doing yeah. it because, uh, for the sake of it, there is a market for it, you know. That's curious because when I first moved here a very long time ago, I remember yeah. when I was doing all the like religious festivals where you don't eat meat and all of that stuff and being vegetarian here for seven no nine days was hell it was oh, yeah. hell yeah, so yeah. i'd order a vegetarian sandwich and they'd have a slice of ham in or tuna yeah. in. <laughs> because for them ham is yeah. a meat they're like oh yeah, it's just processed like, food and i'm like no but it's an animal it's come from yeah. an animal no, 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 no. If you want real meat, then you'll have real meat. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I struggle. Now it's better. Like, there's oh, so yeah. many new places, but fast forward, no, rewind for 15 years. Yeah. It was horrendous. It was horrendous. I know, I know, I know. It's like, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the French used to say, uh, um, can I have a vegetarian dish? And so, like, oh, yeah, you can come back, uh, <laughs> go outside and go, and, oh, we have some salad for you. That was <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's so, yeah. yeah, no, it's so funny. But you made me laugh. It's like being French and not having cheese. It's like yeah, it's like yeah, being Spanish it. and not having empanadas. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, she comes from the, uh, from the Lyon region as well. You know, and oh. they're known for the cheeses and everything. So, but then again, like I said, I don't, I don't want to promote too much because um, I think it's one of those things, you know, like uh, people tell you, this is good for you, this is good for you, and everybody mm -hmm. knows. For example, meditation is good for you, or yoga is good for you. Everybody knows. Yeah. But when any drops, then you say, "Oh, yeah, that's true." You know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's not it has to come from inside rather than from up there. No, I, I I think so. Like yoga for me now makes me fall asleep. So I've changed yeah. to Pilates. So I'll be doing exercise and I'll lose my balance. I literally just zone out and then flop. And I'm like, oh, okay, like. Ah, you know what you should, do? should look into because my wife now teaches uh, aerial yoga. It's so amazing. I did have nausea for a while. Um, yeah. I'd have to keep sitting on the like um, threat, like those sheets, I'm, I'm, and then I'll continue. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, there's so parts good. of your body which you don't, which you don't even know uh, existed. 
I know that's cool, but after you exercise, you get to fall asleep. It's amazing. <laughs> so let's carry on. Yes. So can you tell me more about your heritage, history, and how it changed your relationship with food? Oh, okay. So I was born in London. Um, and at the age of five, my father decided to go back uh, to India for the simple fact, for only one reason, he okay. missed his mum so much. And that's why wow. he decided to go, yeah. And he was a doctor at Great Almond Street. He was going up yeah. the ranks and everything. They didn't want him to go, but he decided to go back. Um, and from the age of five till 18, I was in Delhi. Okay. And I did my education in Delhi in one of the very, very well-known schools. Um, and at the age of 18, uh, then you do your, you go into university. I never yeah. did very well in school. Uh, I did okay. Yeah. Uh, and I could not wait to leave India at the wow. age of 18 away okay. from my parents. Because I, I really believed that at that age also, like, you know, every, every, every teenager wants to be away from their parents but not in the indian culture as you might know you yeah. know we are all very, very protective but i just wanted to get out of so i had the opportunity to come to london okay so i came to uh london and in those days i was 18 so they did not recognize um the a levels which i okay. had already done in india so i had to do my a level again oh gosh so telling a person who did not like studies that much to do it all over again that was also like no good it was no registering in my head uh so i had my own place at the age of 18. um i had my own room party place everybody used to come to my house did not do that much studies but because i had done that course beforehand so like I, it was easier for me as compared to other other people yeah um, so I did my A-levels, funny enough, I did my A-levels in maths, further maths, physics. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, which all the three subjects were like the hard, hard subjects and I did all right. Um, but I always had that fascination towards food, even when I was a kid, uh, okay. and the fascination started with my uncle's hotel in India, uh, which where, when I was like 10 years old, I went to his hotel and I was in his kitchen in his chef's office and where the, the chef presented me this uh, fish on popular. So like with a fish in a paper bag mm -hmm. and he gave it to me and he opened it. The aroma came and wow, wow. Me, that was that was kind of magic, kind of like, how did you make it happen? You know, mm -hmm. and from a person who just comes and he's been eating spices all his life and all of that was just a fish with some oil and a bit of herbs. Mm -hmm. It was something like you really tasted the fish. So I think the seed was planted there. And then I used to experiment with food. I'm going to India again with my twins uh, in uh, December. Mm -hmm. and I know one of the days will be where I have to make omelets for everybody in the family. Oh, nice. About 40 omelets. I used to practice omelets, making omelets when I was a kid. You know, I separate my egg whites, uh, whip my egg whites, fold in, put in the oven. I put baking powder, you know, all these different things, yeah. you know, playing with it. And then um, once I passed my A-levels, like I said, I didn't do that great. Uh, my grandfather was here and our, my grandfather till this day is the icon of the family. You know, okay. 
He used to be the general in, in the army and everything. Like, uh, everything goes past him, you know. He lived till he was 94 years old. And he had the same diet, you mm -hmm. know, size in the morning, 8 o'clock breakfast, 1 o'clock lunch, 8 o'clock dinner, you know, morning walk. So, like, you know, like everything was mm -hmm. done. He was the one who orchestrated everybody's life, kind of, you know. Oh, wow. And then he said to me, why don't you look into hotel management and catering because you are really a good person, people's person and everything. And like I said, wow. oh, you know, like, yeah, that's a good idea, kind of, you know. Yeah. So I decided to do hotel management and catering because obviously in those days, going back, like this is going back 25 years ago, like you can't be a chef, you know, you, yeah. you have to be a manager in a suit and blah, blah, and everything. So I did hotel management and catering in next to Windsor. Uh, and one year I had to go and work in a hotel, okay. holiday in a hotel in Heathrow, where I had to work in every department. So I started with room service, I worked mm -hmm. in uh, concierge, I worked in all these different brands. And then I worked at the coffee shop where, where people were there for the last, these ladies have been there for the last 10 years, 15 years, and I was earning more. You know, there used to be a yeah. the most steps. I was the most disorganized person, but I had the most tips. I had, uh, you know, made people do what they want in the bar as well. I remember there used to be a singer. I don't know whether you know Alexander O'Neill came in, okay. to entourage, and he gave me a two hundred pound tip in those days. You know. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, and then I went into the kitchen, and I was working with a chef called David. David White, he was my first uh, chef, um, English guy, and I loved it. So, and I loved it because I was working just in a sandwich section, and then I'd asked him, "Can I stay behind and just work in different sections?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely." Wow. And I worked on the main grill for two, three nights, and I had this adrenaline rush of this heat, this, this pans flying everywhere kind of like you know this you put something on on fire you cook it you slice it and you send it out so i was like intrigued by it and then uh, he saw potential in me and said okay i want you to look after the sandwich section and everything you know okay. thinking oh my god i'm in charge of some sort i've never been in charge of anything in my life kind of you know <laughs> and then he took me under his wings and then he was really really good and then he decided to leave the hotel and he opened his own restaurant called Pygmalion, which okay. was from Bernard Shaw, uh, which was like an English restaurant in Covent Garden. And he asked me, would you like to work? And I said, of course. And that was because I had to go back to college to finish my course. But I stopped going to college and started working for him. Okay. Uh, and cut long story short, from there, the seed was planted. I was loving it. And, you know... And then I started working for my first job, actual job for Brian Turner. Uh, at, at, the Yorkshireman? Yes, yes. And I tell you why I took that job. Why I took that job was there was a, a book. I used to collect a lot of books in those days. I used to go to books for cooks in Notting Hill and I used to buy books all the time. And one of the books which I picked up was, which I still have it, which is called The Best of British Chefs. Okay. And by Kit Chapman. And it had Brian Turner. It had Gary Rhodes. Uh, had Richard Shepard. But what I liked about Brian Turner was, like, he was doing Yorkshire pudding with foie gras. Okay. 
artichoke comfy of duck and hollandaise sauce. And I remember those things, you know, like, so I went in a suit and a tie and everything. And I went, knocked at his door. I said, I need a job. And he said, I don't have anything. So I went next week. I don't have anything. I tried four or five times, wow. actually four times. Uh, and then he said, you know what, lad? There's something in you. I'm going to come and work for my uh, other restaurant, uh, which is called Sudbest, which was in Knightsbridge, which okay. was like a French restaurant. And there I worked for about a year or nine months where I learned all about the foundation of uh, French food, you know, confit yeah. box. I didn't even know what a confit was or what an artichoke yeah. was in those days, you know? Yeah, you know, it's a different time. It's available for everyone, you know? And I learned how to make a Jew and how to make a stock and how to work in a proper French restaurant. And, wow. um, and then from there, I was transferred to Mr. Chef's uh, uh, um, restaurant on Walton Street. Uh, which was very, very difficult for me to work because I was the only Indian working in a restaurant which was filled with Europeans and you okay. don't have a brown-skinned person. There was a lot of racial remarks being made. Uh, but, you know, I came back home crying, you know. Yeah. Why, why? Why? You know, I, I just could not see it like all my life. I'm trying to embrace a culture uh, and why? Because of the color of my skin. I, I just couldn't really, really get it. So, uh, and I remember looking at myself as I have two options, either to tell them, either I leave, oh. or I tell them, flip you, yeah. I will show you that I'm a better chef and I will be a better chef than all of you put together. Mm -hmm. So I put my head down and three months, four months down the line, they started seeing that this guy can cook, you know, okay. and I was coming with different ideas, coming in earlier than everybody else, leaving afterwards, you know, mm -hmm. they saw a potential that the that changed, you know, to the point that when I left, I did speak with the head chef and telling him, uh, uh, <clears throat> do you remember when I first started with you? Yeah. And how you treated me and your team treated me. Uh, we're all very good friends. Yeah, I was very drunk by then. <laughs> I will promise you, I will shine more than you. Well, yeah. You know. and, and did he swallow his words? Yeah, uh, you know, he came to see me at Koya after many, many years, 15 wow. years, 15 years later. And here we are. So, and then from there, uh, I worked with Gary Rhodes on my days off. I wow. became very close to Gary Rhodes. Um, I learned a lot about British food. I knew a lot about French food. Uh, then I went to the Caprice because wow. I saw Mark Hicks, the head chef then, cooking risotto Nero uh in a exhibition for bbc and i tasted it i never tasted something black yeah something that tasteful and i could not get it squid ink is black nobody yeah. knew you know uh but it's such a normal thing to have it in italy or in spain you yeah. know not in england not in london and then so i i knocked at his door i want to come and work for you i said i don't have a job you know so i'll come and work for you for free yeah so because I said that, I said, okay, come next week and I'll give you the job. Wow. And that was the biggest transition for me because that's why I came to know about seasonality. And that in those days, it was owned by Chris and Jeremy. Okay. Uh, the tours in my eyes till this day, you know. Um, and uh, I mean, I learned so much there about food. It was just mm -hmm. like an eye opener for me. Okay.
But the hard part was what we were doing at Turner's in one week, we were doing that in one day at Caprice, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the, the challenge was to do that many covers, but more so also to that quality as well. But I embraced it. Well, I found it very, very tough, especially also with the being the only Indian as well at that time, you know. That was very, very hard, but I loved it, you know. How has that affected you now? Now? Don't even think about it. If anything now, I think um, it's times of turn now. Mm -hmm. If you go to any restaurant anywhere in the world, you don't have, you have more immigrants mm -hmm. working in a restaurant back and front than the country itself. Yeah. You know, um, even if you go in, in your area as well, you will see I would not only be Spanish working there, you know. There will be a lot of other people from all other entities working because mm -hmm. this, this, this times have changed. Times have changed, and like people embrace. Like in my restaurant over here, um, we have so many different. You know, we have Thai, we have Indians, we have Malaysians, we have mm -hmm. Spanish, French, Italians. Um, I'm just trying to think. Ah. Uh, we have from Eastern Europe, we have Polish, you know, mm -hmm. so you have so much diversity. And I love that as well, because everybody brings in some That's sort different. of culture onto, onto your plates, you know. Uh, and from there, it's like, you know, I, I worked in different places. Uh, then my life, well, my, my life took a turn around. Uh, I worked at uh, Zaika, which was the first Indian restaurant to get a Michelin. Michelin for an Indian restaurant. Uh, and again, that was something which was, I'm very proud of the fact because I worked with this amazing chef as well, Vineet. You know, Vineet was very strong in Indian ideas, like he could make the best things. And I was very good at my French cooking. So we merged ideas together. I learned so much from him about Indian food, even though I'm Indian, I never cooked Indian food in my life on a professional basis. Mm -hmm. And then we merged the ideas together. And then, you know, I stayed there for a while. Then I was about to open my own restaurant. And then I got a call through a friend uh, that Mr. Wani, the owner, the founder of restaurants like Zuma, Arts Club, Koya, El uh, Beretto, La Petite Maison, mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to see me. Uh, I got a call on the 28th of December, 2011. I don't forget that day because it was one day after uh, Boxing Day. And I was cooking all day for my family and for my parents, um, in-laws and everything. And then I get a call and and I'm about to open a restaurant with a friend of mine. And my wife is saying, why are you going to go and see him? It's like, hey, no harm in talking with this man. He's like, yeah. you know, this is Mr. Wani, you know. The restaurateur in my eyes till this day for any, you know, uh, so he asked me, I went to see him in his, another small restaurant of his. And he had this aura of him, you know, like I've never met this person. I heard a few things about him. All I knew is like he owned these places. That's about it. And if you look into the, even now, if you Google him, there's not that much about him. You know, you don't know anything about him, especially on those, nothing. So he asked me, do you want a mission inside? Because we had a mission inside. Zaika, I said, Mr. Wani, I want two things. I want bums and seats. And I want a happy team. 
that's all I want. And that is his ethos has always been that it's all about the team, and then you yeah. make money, whatever you want to do. Uh, so he said to me, I like you, I've done a bit of research about you. I, I understand you know about spices. Peruvian food is all about spices. I want you to be my head chef. So I said, thank you, Mr. Wani. It's like, um, uh, I was taken back a bit, you know, like, because I don't know, know anything about uh, Peruvian food. I don't know, no ceviche came from Peru. Yeah. Uh, but I just knew about this man, you know, look at Zuma, you know, he's 25 years old. It's still the most iconic restaurants around the world, you know. Um, and so I said, Mr. Mani, I'd like to go to Peru. It's like, listen, open that restaurant for me. Do whatever you want to do. But make oh, wow. sure, you know. So that what he was saying to me, and I came to know along the lines as I came to know, money was not the object for him. For him was you open with the best ingredients, you open with the best menu, you open with the best looking restaurant, you know. So he gave me that confidence that one week later, I was flying with a couple of other people with my team at wow. that time to Peru. Uh, and, you know, I've flown to a few countries in the past, blah, 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 and everything. I never flown. I mean, this is how my, this is how I, I look at my luck. You know, um, that I think my stars were aligned for that. This, yeah, you know, like group of five of us, and one person just pointed at me, Can you come and see me before I'm boarding the plane? I'm looking at NYC, looking at me, and uh, I said, Are you Mr. Sanjay Duvedi? I said, Yes, it's like, Okay, uh, I've been following you for a while. It's like, I am yeah. a representative of British, I uh, know, uh, American Airlines, and I like you. I've upgraded you to business class, you know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, thinking like, you know, all this time I've traveled. So like there's something there, you know. Yeah. So I'm going business class to, you know, we have to go to Miami first. We stop over there, then we go to Peru. I went to Peru, I stayed there for three weeks. I went and ate at 70 different restaurants. Wow. I wrote down things, came with a bag full of ideas. I had our own kitchen in Islington, which Mr. Wani had promised that I will have my own kitchen rather than having a domestic kitchen. Mm. And that was my heaven, the temple, the best place I've worked for one year, formulating a menu for Koya, went with 25 different menus. And this is where the secret is. Um, for me, I don't want to cook a steak. I, I have no inclination of doing that even now. Mm. But what I what 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 empowers me is to merge cultures together. And I think this is, has been always been since I came back to London. It's like I was merging British culture into my mm -hmm. non-existent Indian culture at that time, you know? Yeah. And I started to see this pattern develop within myself is I see what a culture has to give me. Mm -hmm. You know, I cannot put Peruvian food exact Peruvian food or exact Spanish food or anything in London. Yeah. You have to embrace the culture you are in and you have to take the best of the other culture and put it on a place. But the magical part of that is it does not come straight away. You know, you mm -hmm. have to experiment. It's like what I'm doing at Meraki as well. There's yeah. certain things that are working, there's certain things that are not working. And I strive on that, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and I think that was the success of Koya in mm -hmm. one way, you know. Uh, is 
I said to myself that I will open a restaurant which will be the best ceviche available for Europeans in London. Because at the end of the day, London is not English. London is a hot pot of all different cultures, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have that idea ingrained in my head and, you know, with the guidance of someone like Mr. Wani as well, we opened Koya after like one year of me having my own kitchen and experimenting with food. Mm-hmm. And I stayed at Koya 10 years. We opened nine Koyas around the world. All very, very successful brand. Proud of it as well. To the point that I became the head chef to executive chef to the corporate chef to the brand ambassador. Uh, where I was just promoting Koya. Not about the food, but Koya as a whole. And mm-hmm. loving it. You know, uh, the, oh, the, the first member of the team and the longest serving member of the team as well. You know, yeah. uh, and then Mr. Wani asked me to take over Meraki. Okay. And, I, you know, this is back in January of this year when I get a call from him. It's like, listen, son, I want you to take over Meraki. And he was in Phuket at that time. It's like, let's meet up. Uh, so I met up in February and I said, Mr. Wani, I'm, you know, I'm loving Koya. Everything is beautiful and everything. And he said, look, you know, um, and he said in those words as well, it's like, you know, I'm asking you. And uh, more importantly also, it's like, you know, sometimes it's good to do a new challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wani, for me, is a father to me. Yeah. Um, I am, people say as well, even even at Koya, it's like if and the queen, the king can walk in. <clears throat> but I'm more, for me, everything has to be right for Mr. Wani because I have this, uh, he's an inspirational man for me, you know. Uh you walk into his room and he will give you a slap or anything, but you go back, you know what? I don't want to let this man down, okay. you know? Uh, even like when we were, and that's what I found out growing up with him at Koya. It's like, it's like going and seeing him for the first, second time, the third time. It's like, oh my God, this is not, that's why he's got an empire like what he has right now. He's got yeah. 20 Zuma. Well, okay, he, he doesn't have that much stake in them because he's just like, taking it easy no he's still not taking it easy he's 80 plus you know 80 plus i was going to ask you how old is this yeah yeah, yeah. but you know he's got a heart of a lion and you know i'm seeing him tomorrow again you know we get discussed opening another meraki in london so i need to do a presentation from him and he is fast wow and uh, and boy oh boy so i started here in uh, april and all charged up and all loving it and everything. But then I realized until I started working after a month, mm, this food is harder to do than Koya's food or than Indian food because Mediterranean food is all about the product, olive oil, lemon juice, few herbs, and that's it. While Indian food or Peruvian food can be masked or enhanced with Mm -hmm. spices, with miso, with soya, which are like big ingredients which people love, you know. Um, So that was the challenge, you know. And one month later, I was opening Miraki in Mykonos, you know, with a team of 40 Mm -hmm. chefs. So, like, you know, like it was like, 
uh, and then we were opening Meraki in Porto Cervo. So yeah, they sound all very glamorous to open all these locations, but there has to be a lot of work needs to be done as well behind the scenes. So, you know, that was a big, big, big challenge, like to come up with a menu and of my dream of what I had in my head as well, and then open these spaces as well. And there's no point opening something which you open half-heartedly. So it's better to yeah. open good ceviche, one good ceviche, say, for example, or one good carpaccio uh, mm -hmm. rather than opening with four or five different ones, you know. And that was a challenge where I had to stop myself, you know. And I relished that challenge. And it's only now, like now, obviously, Port, uh, Porto will be closed for mm -hmm. the season. Mykonos will be closed for the season. So, like, I've been able to develop the menu even more so. Okay. Now is the busiest time as well. So I'm looking forward to now in January. Okay. Where the, the season is going to go a bit quiet. I don't have to travel that much, uh, you know, and then I can concentrate, uh, mm -hmm. and develop the ideas which I have in my mind, in my head. I know what I want to do, but doing, having something in your head and then putting it on a, on a plate are totally two different things until you taste it. That's true. You know. So... So my question is, you answered a couple of questions for me, but you're now working for Meraki. Yeah. However, like you said, Mediterranean food is very simple and it's seasonal. And one thing, I had this conversation of the day with somebody else and um, one of my favourite chefs is uh, Keith Floyd. Yes. And he did a lot of European food. Mm. And he said... Uh, European housewives go out to the market, see what's mm. in season, come home and cook. Absolutely. British yeah. housewives yeah. look at their cookbook, yeah. go yeah. to the supermarket, yeah. regardless yeah. of the season, come home yeah. and cook. Yeah. And it's fascinating because it's two yeah. different cultures. Yes. Um, but like you said, Mediterranean food is seasonality. It's what's in season because it's the tastiest. Yeah. So what is the one, like... How do you work with seasonality on a menu that is infused with the warmth of the Mediterranean? Okay, good. So, first of all, Keith Floyd, legend. Always. <laughs> Secondly, that I mean, like, there's so many things. He was also a big influence of me taking up the chef's position as well. Because I really thought he was so glamorous, always pissed. Oh, I love him. Uh, you know, always yeah, and, you know, it's like even now, you know, on Saturday Kitchen or, like, you know, they show an episode, definitely will watch it, you know. Yeah, always. Read <laughs> once by at least three times, cried in that book as well. So legend, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, going back to your question of seasonality and how, look, <clears throat> first of all, with technology and everything, we are so, so my fish, my, for example, every Monday, my uh, Paolo from Feeling Fruity will send me photographs of what he has got in the market okay. and he sent it to me so like okay. right now he's told me that this beautiful cauliflower is butternut squash pumpkins parsnips are in season mm -hmm. what happens and that's why i love coming to work on a monday so i can have a look i have registered my head what's available and then it's very easy you come with an idea like I was saying to you earlier as well, how bizarre it sounds or how simple it sounds, 
I will need to try it. Okay. You know, so you were talking about uh, uh, a grilled fish, say, for example, because obviously everybody loves grilled fish and everything. What is it that people want this time? You know, what, you know, so I said, why don't we just do, and I was saying this to the guys on Saturday only, why don't we just do some cauliflower puree? Mm-hmm. You know, let's not use any milk. Let's use some oat milk so it's vegan as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, no butter, you just olive oil. And let's make a nice silky puree uh, to the cauliflower, to the fish. So that, you know, it's like having, you know, again, it's that, do you remember like when you have that fish with mashed potatoes, you know? Yeah. You know, we, we grew up on that and mashed potatoes is something, you know, maybe that's another it's comfort. It's comfort. Uh, exactly, you know, so I said, why don't we indulge into something which is in season? I don't want to have a mashed potato with a nice, simple grilled fish. Why don't we have a cauliflower puree? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could be with truffles. Let's try it, you know, because truffles yeah. are in season, you know, or we just keep it very simple. Cauliflower puree, uh, grilled fish on the barbecue, you know, bit of lemon oil. Thank you very much. So we are going to try that tomorrow. You know. Oh, so young. I love anything with lemon and fish. I love it. Oh, no, exactly. You know, and it's, it's also is with years of experience. It's, you know, like it's sometimes things come to you rather than you thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think all that thinking was done when I was growing up as a chef. Okay. Now things like kind of like oozes out. It's like, oh, why don't we try this? Or when I go to a different restaurant and he said, hmm. What can I not copy? Because copying is easy. You can say inspired. Exactly. You know, what can I do which is going to be something which is a Meraki stamp on it? You know, and it's not my stamp. What's Meraki stamp? Meraki Mm -hmm. stamp is we are a Mediterranean restaurant with Greek flavors. That's it. So, so do you use a lot of um, dill in your cooking as well? I have a few things. You know, one of my, right. So, one of my signature dishes at Koya, which still this day, are probably is the best-selling dish of all Koya. No, no, probably is the best-selling dish <laughs> of Koya's around the world. Okay. Is bomb uh, bomb rice from Spanish bomb bomb mm-hmm. rice, which I use, uh, and I, I used to cook it with some um, uh, dashi, which was flavored with mm-hmm. some uh, soya and some mirin. Okay. And the rice was flavored with some shallots and some ahi amarillo, which is like a type of a Peruvian chili. So you cook that rice. And then I used to take some chili and sea bass, which I used to marinate that in miso mm-hmm. and tamarind. And I used to cook it on the barbecue. Okay. And then serve that rice with that fish on top with some sweet corn puree on it. Just like a, so the sweet corn. Again, very, a very Peruvian. So to the point that I started that dish, I used to cook the fish to order. And then I realized that when I first put on the menu at Koya London, that to this day when I left, there is one person making that dish all day long. Wow. Because we sell so many of them. Of course, he's got other yeah. things. Cooks yeah, as no, well. no, if yeah. something works, why change it? Yeah, exactly. So I said, okay, it's not done. Okay. I'm still playing with it. And it's been three months of looking into it. So what I'm doing is one of the things which the Greeks love as a, and as a comfort food is called spanakarizo, which is rice 
with spinach and dill. And a lot of housewives cook this, you know, like used to cook it for their kids. It's like a it's rice with spirit of spinach, bit of spring onions. And you, some people put feather cheese, some people don't put feather cheese. So I used to give it to the kids, you know, because, Same you know, it's, it's, it's something very, very, um what's it, healthy you know so what i'm playing right now is i'm doing the same thing it's not there yet you know um it's people love it but i'm not still happy with it because i want i want it to be again so what i'm doing is instead of marinating the uh the fish and miso and uh tamarind what i'm doing is i'm marinating in in a lot of yogurt because obviously yogurt is very greek bit of tamarind that's my indian heritage because i think tamarind is it's for me is the tamarind chutney is like it's amazing samosas yeah, yeah is that oh, exactly yeah. yeah so it's 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 uh, for me it's an umami mm-hmm. my favorite. so i'll put that in my marinade i'll put some ouzo in there as well lots and lots of dill and then what i'm doing is i'm making the rice with the same stock with less soya of course so mm-hmm. it's just for the saltiness but finishing it with a small dollop of spinach puree and a big handful of baby spinach in there and finish with a lime, sorry, lemon and dill butter. And I'm doing that. So like, again, it's like I say, so my, the way I look at it right now is I started a Meraki in May. By the end of April of this year, I want, this is how I see, and I used to say it's like when a grandmother walks into from from uh, Athens or somewhere in Greek mm-hmm. village or somewhere, she walks in here and she tastes the food, I want her to say, oh my God, this is so Greek, but I've never, never tasted it this way. So yeah. maybe it will be that moment for her. Have you seen Batatouille? Yes, about uh, 20 times. Okay, right, there we go. So you'll know. Yeah, so when yeah. he has a flashback of having the ratatouille, you'll be like, oh, my God, this is like, it'd be like that moment of flashbacks. Of yeah, exactly. Yeah. From there, and I swear this is not what I've had before, but it's like a, a cross-cultural mix. It's, yeah, of, it's, like, of it's like, you know, we're working on a, you know, only for the lunch menu, yeah. you know. Uh, what is it that we love having? I don't want to put it on the dinner menu because it's too heavy. But... People, what do you want for lunch? You want a nice chicken wrap or souvlaki. So right now I'm doing a nice, we're making our own pita bread. We're just cooking the pita bread to order on the wow. charcoal grill. Some, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, My mouth is actually salivating as you're talking. <laughs> it's like... No, no, no. But that's the thing, you know, like, uh, and then we're taking the chicken thighs, corn fed chicken thighs. We brine it for a day and then we grill it in the in, in the Josper oven, which is the charcoal oven from Spain, the best oven in the world. Um, and then we're just serving it with a bit of gem lettuce, some, uh, you know, and I've, I've tried it, some fries, you know. Uh, so it's it's a good, hearty, well-made souvlaki. Okay. My, or our take, not my take, our take of a, so lucky which everybody said oh okay this is what i want to eat because it's in and out kind of you know um and it's turned out to be a quite a popular one that's that's amazing because like you've been able to take what inspires you yes 
and create some gastronomic experience for the people that eat your food. Mm. But how has your recipes reflected the culture of where you've come from? But, you know, you've born in the UK, you've grown up in India, yeah. you, you know, your specialities are like Japanese, uh, Chinese, mm. Indian, yeah. um, Spanish, like, so, how, okay. how, how do you do that? Uh, I mean, that's the thing. And I think, like I said to you earlier on, uh, I remember when uh, I started chefing kind of thing, you know, you started finding out that what is umami, uh, you know, it's not, that's the fifth flavor they say, right? Or the sixth flavor. Yeah. Um, and they said Parmesan is umami, tomatoes is umami, truffles is umami. And I was trying to think in my head as a childhood, what was it that I used to like when I used to bombard in my plate, in my mouth? So it used to be dried mango, you know, and it was that dried mango. I don't know whether you've had it or not. I remember at school when we used to have a lunch breaks, we were not allowed to do it, but the vendors used to be outside the school and we used to sneak out of the little hole kind of thing and used to buy this sweet, mango and it used to be like into slices i don't know how they made it or it was all processed but it was like you you put that in your mouth it's like you know mm. like you have this sugar you have this saltiness and you have this amazing flavor of mango so that's where you come i don't know whether you know this i'm sure comes from yeah. you know the that's your powder yeah exactly yeah. yeah you know and for people who don't know who are listening it's it's a dried mango powder and it's just bombardment of flavors. Tamarind chutney is where you put 100 different spices or a lot of spices. Yeah. And then you cook it with sugar and you cook it with tamarind for hours and hours. So I remember this tamarind in my head. And that's why I started using And it's nice and thick. And you want to use a thick as a marinade. Yeah. You know? So that's the first thing I did at Koya. Because Koya was the first place which was totally different. All I've been doing, like as you mentioned, I've been cooking French food, I've been cooking Indian food, I've been cooking Spanish. So it's been more European, Indian, but nothing yeah. else, you know, never been Japanese or nothing. And Koya mm. was the first place. So I said, ah, let me experiment with that. So that's why one of the things which came out was the tamarind. Um, also, uh, this is... Again, my rule at Zaika, the Indian restaurant, was so if you say, for example, make a Rogan Josh, which is the lamb shanks, a lamb leg of lamb, which should be cooked for hours and hours. So if I ask my mom or my grandmother, and she used to make it, she will put 15 different spices, you know, including that spices will include, for example, black cardamom, green cardamom, bay leaf, cardamom. Um, cloves, black peppercorns, you know, blah, blah, the list goes on and on. Lots of spices. And I realized, why am I putting so many spices to a dish? Because this is how it's been done. So I came with a rule in my Zyka kitchen was I'm going to put five spices to every dish. Okay. And that five spices will include the turmeric as well. Okay. So, I stopped using ground cor coriander, ground cumin, never used any of them. There were no even in the restaurant. Because at the end of the day, when you are ordering a food, you don't order chilies, you don't order spices. You mm -hmm. order lamb, you order scallops, 
you order salmon. That's what you're paying for, right? That's what you want to take. So that's where, you know, with my years of experience, I came up with five spices to a dish. So when I was cooking my tamarind, there were only five spices in there. So like, say, for example, right now for Miraki, all I'm using is star anise. I'm using black peppercorns. I'm using uh, <clears throat> a garlic, ginger, and there's one more, and cumin seeds. That's it. Nothing else. You know? And I cook it with lots of sugar and, you know, for six hours, seven hours, very slowly, you know. So, and then when you have that, it's like, Phew. so that, that, hopefully that answers your question is, I think it's not, I think it's years of experience has brought me to the stage where I'm right now. Uh, and, you know, and I, that's what I tell all my chefs over here. It's like, I got Thanos, who is my chef over here, and Michele, who's, who used to work for me at Koya before. Uh, you know, like, less is more. Why are you putting, because I was like this as well, because you don't, your, your palate is not developed. Because mm -hmm. you find different things to see what's going to work. So you put more and more. And if you see, if you go to any any restaurant, you will know that this chef is very young. From mm -hmm. I can see that. I can see if it's a woman who's behind the chef as well. I, can, mm -hmm. I, I know. Because it's 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 very clean. Uh, somehow, I, yeah. I, I find out. Like uh, I'm not saying that uh, the women are better than men or men are better. It's, women have a different touch. Yeah. It's a more delicate touch, you know. It's much more. I was like, uh, you will see this more. Um, for example, when I was in Copenhagen last no 2012, just before the pandemic, and I went to this restaurant called Panama. I still remember this, and I said to my wife, "I bet you she is the chef," and she said, "How do you know?" It's like it's the way she it's presented is presented and the style, and it's like it's so, so different. And I turned out to be, I was right. And I said, <laughs> get you, next day you will get a Michelin star. And she got a Michelin star as well. Amazing. Wow. But going back to it as well is, is where you need to do is less is more. You've, you've taken on the Mediterranean style. Of exactly. You know, and that's why I love being in a part of Meraki of, you know, again, we're in mm -hmm. London. You know, a bit of a chilly hair there. David. No, in Athens, yeah. you know, especially for an Indian going into it's like again, who is this Indian who's cooking Peruvian food? Who is this Indian at then, you know, cooking yeah. Greek food? You know, uh, and the, I think if anything, I love that merging of cultures. I think it's um, a better word because for me, I hate the word fusion. Yes, uh, it's, it's, it's I'm such gonna, a you. I have this line, fusion food is confusion. It is because I, I feel like it kind of downplays on the skills of yes. what a chef can do. It's more of a exactly. casual dining experience as opposed yeah. to something that's more, that involves science and, you know, uh, magic in terms yeah. of bringing together ingredients. You know? exactly. I, I think it's a, shouldn't be used personally, but, yeah. you know, but so you created this mix of different cultures different flavors let me show you I think it's also, sorry you know i've been very fortunate like yes i you know like uh, 
anything goes on a plate now, it's not one man's uh, or one woman's vision. Mm. I think it's a collective of people, you know, like this new generation, some of them are just magical, mm. magical, you know, because they have so much. They, I come from that point of knowing what taste. There's a science behind it as well. Mm. Some of them are like, like I said, they are amazing. So what I have achieved today is not just my, it's not just my thought. It's been a process of all the other people who have been my head chefs or sous chefs or, you know, we have all put it all together on a plate. And I think I've been able to embrace them and they've been able to embrace me as well. And today I am thankful to all the chefs who are being who I've worked with in the past to be confident enough to say, right, this is what we are doing right now, you know. I think so. It's like, you know, because we're talking about cultures, I believe that art, well, the consumption is an art, you know, mm. eating is an art form. Um, I, I talk about this all the time, but I do believe it. But then creating it, however, is a totally different matter. Mm, exactly. Is this a factor you consider when you're creating your dishes? You know, mm. for example, the relationship people have with food and how it's eaten. You know, for example, Asia chopsticks, India yeah. India hands, um, Europe knife and fork. Yeah, like yeah. it's the whole thing of connecting your senses, your fingertips, yeah. Yeah. touch with the sense of food, because you're incorporating different cultures. How do you do you consider that when you're creating your dishes? Well, of course. I mean, I'm always looking at different cultures, but like you, you try to get the best of everyone, right? Mm. I think what's in my head, you know, mm. and then you uh, play with it. And that's, I think I love that word. I love that fact of playing with it. It's like mm -hmm. what I was saying to you about the the, the chilling sea bath, which I'm doing yeah. with the spinach. I love that fact. And I know once it's right, it's going to be like, ah, mm. you know, and that's that's what I, for me, that's what tingles my tongue. Okay, I like you that tingle on my tongue. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's it's like it's trials and trials and tasting, because, <clears throat> like I said to the guys, when one of the chefs comes in, because I'm I always encourage my chefs mm -hmm. to come up with new ideas, play, play. So I have this amazing identical twins who used to work for me at Koya. Wow. They're working for me now. They're from uh, Malaga. Really? Ah, oh, nice. I was only there on Friday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lovely guys. You know, um, they always have worked together, and you know, one of them is looking after the Josper section. The other one is looking after the uh, the raw uh, section. You know, and raw and salads. You know, and Friday. They were talking to me about they were working for Danny Garcia's place in London in Shoreditch. Oh wow. And uh they were talking and I was said that do me a dish, you know. So they did this dish for me, which was like uh a sea bass, which is marinated in some vinegar, water. Uh and they use water because of vinegar, its main basis, the marinade is vinegar, so mm -hmm. obviously they need to add a bit of water to turn it down, uh, some olive oil, some lemon juice some oregano and some paprika okay. leave it for for uh for a day and then they they fry it off in the fryer you know 
And I said, exactly what I'm looking for. Right. You know, well, why why are you putting in a flour? Why don't we just do an tempura batter? Because that's going to be much more crispier. And they say, oh, yes. So okay. this week, that's going to be on mm -hmm. a special. And I'm calling it the Twins special. That's so nice. Uh, okay. You know, so it's good for them as well. And it's, good for, and it's a bit of a play as well, you know. Um, yeah. So, and it's encouraging them because, you know, I know when I was growing up as a chef, my chef never asked me. And I, even though I had the ideas, mm -hmm. Never asked me, or oh, I want to say, can I do this? And he says, no. Okay. Bluntly, no. And I remember this when I was growing up. When, I, when I'm going to be in his position, I'm going to encourage all these young guys to come up with new ideas. And, you know, <clears throat> it's like Panos, um, one of the things which we do for uh, is a roast leg of lamb, say for a Sunday brunch. And we worked on it, or he worked. You know, I just say, you just keep on trying until I tell you, until we know this is the right one. So now we are doing a leg of lamb. So funny enough, like I was telling to you yesterday, I had the leg of lamb uh, at this pub, this gastro pub I went to, you know, oh, let's order a leg of lamb. It was four of us, you know, so we ordered a whole leg of lamb. It was nice. It was good. But I was saying to the guys, you know, I mean, ours is a bit more expensive. But yeah, it's like because I use the best leg of lamb, mm. much smaller in size, so you pay more. And we and panos and it's been months, and now we got it to the tea. You know, we salt it for a day, then we brine it for a day, and then we roast it very slowly for five hours in the oven. You know, and then we take it off the bone, so like cool it down. Mm. You know, and then obviously um, once the next day we just put it back in the oven. So it's just moist, it's salty, and... exactly, breaking of the bone. And it's got that roasty flavor rather than having the the boiled flavor, which a lot of places do, you know, they put in a backpack bag. And we got it to the tea, you know. Wow. Well, have you got it right? No, we can make it better. It's like I keep on saying to the same guys, watch so, that dreams of sushi. You so watch it. No. You, you can always make the dish better and better. Always. There's always room for improvement. If you stop exactly. trying, nothing ever yeah. changes. Exactly. So, you know, when you do your marinades, you know, so your twins, the, the, the chefs, do they, do you get to try the olive oil? Because, you know, you've got Iguel, you've got Abagina, you've got so many different varieties. Um, you know, where I live, the next city down, Chayen, their province, Chayen and the province is famous for olive oil. I, I think it's one of the best places in Spain for olive oil because of the arid landscapes and the mm. extreme climate. But then yeah. if you go towards Malaga, the olives are more buttery. Yeah. Do, have yeah. you tried it into, you know, like meat so, will have this or sushi or, you know? Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's a very good question because we have a supplier called Molby and Greek. Uh, okay. With all our Greek uh, ingredients. We have like three, four different suppliers, but Molby and Greek is, for me, again, I have a very close relationship because the ethos is this, the same as ours. Okay. Uh, what is it the client wants? Let's think about the client and then we make money. You know, mm -hmm. it's the same thing for us. Let's think about the clients and then we think about making money, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, olive oil right now, which we have is from a small uh, uh, village in Kios. Uh, and again, if I was Greek all the way, they would not have chosen the olive oil, which I like. Mm -hmm. And I like olive oil, not peppery. A lot of people love that peppery taste. I don't like that peppery taste. 
maybe because I, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm used to spices. Mm. You know, I want a good olive oil, which brings in a good balance. So say, for example, the olive oil, which I use for the Meconian salad, which is like a Greek salad, mm. is different from the one if I'm using it for, for example, for a Santorini salad, it's totally different. You know, yeah. the Santorini salad, because Meconian salad, it's, it's very Greek. And it's got a lot of punchiness in it, so I can use a stronger olive oil. Okay. You know? But for the Santorini salad, which is just tomatoes, uh, baby cherry tomatoes with some caper leaves, some capers, and some feta cheese. Uh, sorry, with some uh, instead of using feta cheese, I'm using ghost cheese. So I'm using a lighter version of olive oil. Um, for cooking, we use pumice oil because, as we all know, despite what People say it's good to cook in olive oil, and uh, I I see what's happening around the world and everything. Yeah, you know you can't deep fry things in olive oil. I know a lot of people are going to be against it, but that's I'm not saying they are wrong. I'm just saying what's right for us. You yeah. know, uh, you know you want to you want to fry something, use a very good sunflower oil, which has got a higher smoking point. You know, but then again, when we are grilling a fish. Olive oil. Always put a lot of lashings of olive oil, you know, and then we serve it with an olive oil. We serve it with a lemon oil and we serve it with a thyme oil. So there are three different oils for people to choose from. And the oh, lemon really... oils, we make it fresh for every service. So it's just simple, yeah. freshly unwaxed lemon juice mm -hmm. and olive oil. And that's it. Oh, so, so cool. <laughs> But like I know, I quite will be doing to, or in in Indian food or Peruvian mm -hmm. food. Or we'll be doing something totally. We'll be using yuzu and you know, oh, so yeah, exactly. So you know, there is a lot of buzz these days. We talked about about it before about cultural intermixing of food. How would you define it? You know, you know, the, the media's current fascination with fusion uh, might lead one to think it's exclusively a contemporary sort of. Um, phenomenon for yeah. example chicken tikka masala uh murder of british and indian food that apparently mm. started in ben was it? no glasgow for ben. i can't remember which yeah. one glasgow, um, yeah. and then hawaiian pizza canada yeah. yeah and the chicken manchurian i think it was an asian chef and chinese chef working in mumbai yeah um but these foods are like the casual dining foods that like we, we have in restaurants all over the uk but when it comes to fine dining, how do you separate yourselves from that? So the thing is, like, again, fine dining is a very strong word because I don't see myself ever being a fine dining person. Uh, <clears throat> I don't consider myself to be a fine dining. I consider, I've always considered myself as a place where you come in to have fun. Uh, you know, and a place where you can come in at six o'clock. Mm. You have your dinner or seven o'clock or eight o'clock. And instead of going somewhere else to have a party, you can stay at the restaurant or in our bar downstairs and finish the night off. Uh, so I consider myself to be, uh, or we consider ourselves to be more of a, like a, how can I say, let's go to Meraki, you know, the food okay. is good, the drinks are good, uh, and we're going to have a great time together. Okay. Um, we don't have as a whole uh, where you have a starter main course desserts. It's you know a sharing concept. You know mm -hmm. it's like you know as you know as you go these days. Do you want to have a starter main course desserts? No, 
when was the last time you had that? You know, you appreciate it when you go to a really, really, like when I went to dinner or when I went to Heston, you know, uh, at Fat Duck, you know, you really appreciate that. Mm. But for me, it's always been, even at, uh, at Zika as well, you know, going back there, it's all about, and that's, again, it comes back to our culture. Yeah. We never had a starter main because desserts, never in India, never. It's all you just put everything on the center of the table. And then you share and pick. You know, you'll have mm -hmm. a lot of snacks, you know, um, lots of drinks. And then again, my, which I did not talk to you about, was uh, my fascination towards the French culture was deep rooted when I first started shopping, mm -hmm. like when I was working at Brian Turner's French place, when I learned about the Confit of Ducks and everything. And then I started, I was fascinated by Keith Floyd talking French and talking in France. So I was really fascinated of all the places. So I had a French girlfriend at that time, uh, you know, and I got even more come to know about more about the French culture. And then my wife, we've been together for 19 years. She's French, you know, and again, it's all about putting everything on a table in as a starter or a main course, like over here, you know, yeah. we call it mezze over here. You know, a lot of things as, 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 so again, the habits of people have changed now. Mm -hmm. So people now like yourself, and I'm hundred percent sure, uh, knowing you in that short space of time, when you go out, you will, if it's a group of 10, you will order 20 tapas. <laughs> maybe five yeah. or ten courses. Yeah. You know? no, always, you, know? you always, you have like a, that, like Meze, like you said, yeah, it's like those yeah. binge it's, yeah. Exactly, you know, and uh, and that's what we do. It's like uh, one, uh, not everybody has a main course now. Every one in six people, uh, sixty percent people will order main courses. Yes, yeah, curious you say that because yeah. we just kind of like share everything sharing, yeah. Yeah. and I think I prefer sharing because you kind of it's not a, you know food is one aspect of dining, but it's also the yeah. company, the atmosphere, and everything just becomes. Yeah, yeah. I, I go back. My parents' generation went to restaurants on a special occasion, right? Mm -hmm. Now things have changed. You invite people on special occasions to your home. Yeah. You know, you're always going out. Yeah, always, always, always. You know, Every, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, for me, one of the most fascinating, fascinating countries for me is Japan. I love Japan, mm -hmm. you know. And that's one of the things which I want to do is to go there with my wife for a month. Once Gosh. I have this, I have made enough money or, you know, we have that time when the kids are going to universities. That's my dream. So I was looking at this thing, which I'm watching at the moment on BBC iPlayer called Tokyo Vice. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, like Miami Vice, like a police. And it's amazing. Like, you know, everybody's like, they're talking about you know, in Japan, they work very hard. They play very hard. They all finish work very late. Their place is open, just having yakitori and beer, you know, or sushi and beer, you know. And that's what fascinates me, you know. That's what I want to do. It's like I want to go to a place where they just specialize in one thing. Yeah. And that's it. That, that's the thing. That's what we do here. That's what I do. So when I got married here a couple of years ago, I prepared for my whole family eating list breakfast if you want this this and this you go here if you want this yeah. you go here and i did it yeah. for lunch for desserts for cafe 
Yeah, no, but, um, isn't that just a beautiful thing? Yeah, it was, and I think I felt great because I've lived here for such a long time. I knew where to go for, you know, if you want to have, and that sounds really strange. There's this place I've been here for what eighty years. Everyone goes there for don't feel like a small bit, like a small beer bottle and sausages cooked in this amazing sofrito. And you have a simple bread and you only go there for that. And I kid you not, it is like satisfaction. It, it is, it's such, it's so basic, but I know, just, I know what you're saying. I know. I remember just, going, when I, going to Madrid and I worked there for about a week. Uh, and I used to go to the same place to have breakfast, which is very unusual for me to go to the same place because I like to try different things. But I remember uh, walking in there and I ordered the bread with garlic oil and tomatoes. Son's right? favorite. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that one and the black pudding. Oh, Morphia. Yeah. And it's I said, amazing. wow. I mean, it's like, uh, <clears throat> yeah. You know, you with walk, you know, in Spain, as you know, like when you walk in, if you don't speak Spanish, and especially if you're of, you are English or you're especially English Indian kind of a thing. They don't want to know you. But, it's hard. Yeah, it's very, very hard. And midway, there was like these old ladies, you know, I used to go for breakfast every morning. I think they didn't even look at you. But then I loved the food so much. I used, my bill was like 10 euro and I was leaving five euro, eight euro tip kind of a thing, you know, because yeah. I really liked it, that place, you know. It's cheap and cheap as well, you know. You need to come. They started to come to know me. Like, was I was there for like, I think I was there like 15 days. Okay. And then became friends kind of a thing and like you know like they'll go out of the way oh senor same thing you know there's a place that you need to come to uh it's one of my favorites and you only go it's one of those old like um bodegas super super tiny you can cramp like sardines yeah if you're not there at opening you won't get a table you yeah. won't get yeah you're right yeah. you're, you're literally standing um they do all their products from granada province Oh my god. And and um my favorite two things are so you got one tapa, which is just fresh bread, um beef tomato, like proper tomato, yeah. olive oil, sea salt, and that's it. And that's I know it's not I kid you not, like you cry when you eat it. Yeah, like, no, it's no, so no. delicious. No, no, and, exactly what you're talking about, yeah. And the other one is morcia, which is the black pudding, spicy morcia, a bit of those pine nuts, and I always order it always order it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like i can't get enough of it and it's so soft it's oh and um, when you come here with your wife and your family we are going there because oh, yeah. it's one of those I places where you will not leave for closing i love i come to granada it's amazing yeah, yeah. for that no, when you know where to go no always. once friends were really really young we went to tarragona oh, uh, nice. uh, i was and my in-laws came they drove all the way from leon right, yeah. yeah so like we had a car and everything and it was one of the best holidays ever. You have, you have no to English, no, no one. Nobody Open gonna... invitation. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'll take you on that one. <laughs> but so then, actually, my last question. Yes. You also have a speciality in Spanish cuisine. How would you serve your, Sp your Spanish tortillas with or without onions? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, so for me, again, okay, so if I was in <laughs> India, no, no, yeah. no, no, I'm going to tell you. If I was in India. Yep. I will cook the onions beforehand. Always, yeah. Right, okay. Onions, chilies, peppers beforehand. If I'm in London and I'm cooking for myself, I'm sorry, I will not use onions. I will just use some spring onions and okay. I put it raw. Um, 
into my uh, into my eggs. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. And so the question is, do it uh, raw or uh, or cooked? Definitely. I prefer cooked. Yeah. If it's yeah. onions, got to be cooked. But do you like yeah. it wet or like fully cooked through? Oh, I mean the eggs. Yeah. Very runny. Oh thank God, because I hate. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. We yeah. we have a relationship here going. Brilliant. Yeah. And the last question: yeah. Do you like to um um have it like your tortilla with just egg yolks or egg yolks and white? Oh, it has to be both. Has to be both. Are you yeah. gonna try it with egg yolks? It's so yeah, yeah. unhealthy, but well, so I, delicious. I, no, no. Maybe if you asked me that question five years ago, yeah, I would have said egg yolks only, of course. I look at things very, very differently from. My, uh, it's like I was saying. Say, for example, what I was talking to you about the cauliflower puree, which we're going to try this week. Yeah. Whatever I said, let's use oat milk. Because okay. That, because I want. We know dairy is. We love dairy. Yes. It's not good for us. We, it's not good for us. So why can't I? If I can choose an option without it. One apple. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, of course, just with the egg yolks, it's going to be. But it's 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 like when I'm eating it, it's it's for me, it's like uh, it's like I'm looking at my cholesterol levels, kind of a thing. You know, it just automatically comes to me that way. You know, so yeah, of course, uh, uh, <clears throat> there are exceptions. That the problem is the problem which I don't have is I don't never have a problem having a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. That never even registered. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's really good for you. You know, it's good. With food, I'm a bit more, right now, maybe in five years' time, or maybe I'll become same thing with drinks as well. Uh, but with food, I'm very, very conscious of how I can be healthy. Okay. And, you know, how can I make it food without being pretentious, Without the need of telling people this is what I do, it's mm-hmm. ah, it's a good food factor. Yeah. You know this. At the end of the day, when you are having a vegetables every day, you feel good. When you have a vegetable juice, you feel good. Your body says ah, but you don't want to have it every day. No, as an excuse to go, exactly. I should be healthy, and yes. then you have it for like a day or two. It's like a new. I don't believe in New Year's resolutions because nobody keeps up with them. Yeah, um, no, well, it's the same ones anyway. Yeah, always. Oh, healthy, exactly. Oh, talk less. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. More work and life. Yeah, it's the same thing. What were we were talking about with my friends yesterday only. Ah, shall we repeat our New Year's resolution for next year? <laughs> yeah, of course, and then carry it on. Yeah. But, but Sandy, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, the culture of food, and all your experiences. So thank oh, you so much. It's been really, really fun talking to you as well. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.